Welcome back to the Divorce Solutions Podcast, everyone. I'm Jamie West from Divorce.com, and I'm here with Tracy Miller, a veteran family law practitioner with Miller Law and Mediation. Tracy, good to have you back. Hey, Jamie, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, today, we're going to talk about another form of alternative dispute resolution, which you and I love. I mean, we love that more than anything. Uh, discussing alternative dispute resolution on this program because this whole idea of doing this podcast was born uh, in the idea of let's try to keep people out of court if we can, right? And and uh, give people food for thought about their own situation uh, whereby they might consider um, settling in a in a different way or resolving in a there different you go. way. Yeah, that's the that's the right word. Resolving. Don't, use, don't say subtle. People yeah. think that they're getting less than they should if you say the word subtle. So you're right, and words matter, right? I oh, mean, absolutely. They absolutely do. The the terms you choose matter. I just want to say off the top here, if you're listening to the to the podcast, or you're listening to some of the other podcasts. Uh, just a reminder that uh, the information that we provide to you here is just that. It's it's information. It's food for thought. It's um, There's a lot of philosophy that we discuss on the program, but your situation is very specific to you, and therefore you should always seek your own professional advice, professional legal advice, professional financial advice, and professional emotional or medical advice as well. Okay, so we just uh, want to get that out of the way and get right into it. We're going to talk about collaborative law today, Tracy, and that's a that's a process, collaborative law, and it's it fits into the category of alternative dispute resolution with other things. But how, what is collaborative law and how does it compare to, say, mediation or other things? Well, it's another alternative dispute resolution process. So um, it's a process you enter that you're going to work together with your spouse and with the lawyers that you're both going to have a lawyer that the lawyers you retain to come to a resolution, right? Which in one form or another is inevitably where you're going to head. Um, better to do it now than to do two years, $100,000 in outside a courtroom. Most cases are going to get resolved. So this is the beginning of the process. Um, you hire lawyers that are collaboratively excuse me, collaboratively trained, and it's a non-adversarial process. So um, you meet with both clients separately, their lawyers meet with them, and they find out what you want, right? They find out what your interests are, they find out what it is you want to get with respect to each issues, and then you sit down and you have meetings to discuss all of this. Um, Part of the process which Um, people need to know is you have to do interpersonal violence screening as part of the process and a little bit of information about what that is. Um, It used to be referred to as domestic violence screening Uh, but what you do is you have to meet with a social worker at least in the area I am in that's the process that they've decided is the best and you go through with that social worker a bunch of questions and it's a conversation but it's more than just a case where you're trying to find out if there's been physical abuse or verbal abuse because those are I think what people think of when they think of violence but it's such a complex question domestic violence and control so you get into questions about I mean is it a situation where there's financial control for example where somebody has to account for every red cent they ever spend is it a situation where somebody's texted or called 50 times a day and I'm not even exaggerating that amount mm. so the person knows exactly where you are when you are I mean is are uh, are both people able to participate or is somebody really intimidated 
And if you find that out, then you structure the process, right? You have to structure the process to make sure that that's all taken into account. Um, but that's a necessary part of the process. And then after that, it's a series of four-way meetings. And if you need financial people, if you have businesses, if you have tax issues, you bring one of those people in. Usually the family professional that did the uh, IPV screening is going to be part of the process. And they manage if there's dynamics or there's emotional issues, which is always a significant part of these cases. They're skilled at managing that. And it's just, it's a better process, right? It's a better process. Yeah, sure. I'm, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and at the outset of, of the process, you have to have, the parties have to have some level of good faith. Do they not going into it? it they, they, sign, they sign an agreement that says we are going to uh, go into this process. We are going to uh, adhere to the rules of this process. We are not going to threaten to pull out of this process and go to court as a means of leveraging things to a resolution here. There's a different mindset that goes with this uh, among the parties. Absolutely, and, I, and among the lawyers as well, right? To, to uh, be on a panel to do this, uh, you have to do collaborative law training because it's definitely a paradigm shift as far as lawyers are concerned to work in, in a team approach. And initially when I heard that and thought, team? What do you mean team? Mm -hmm. I represent one person, I'm not. And then when you really start looking at it, it's such a better way to do it. You can represent your client and you know what their interests are so you achieve that. But it is more of a team aspect, right? You deal with these issues um, in a conversation with everybody. But you do commit to be part of the process. You sign a participation agreement at the beginning that says you're, not, you're committing, you're not going to go to court. If you want to go to court, you're going to have to get yourself another lawyer um, and start over. So it really does, it maintains the integrity of the process, right? Um, and yeah, you don't do the, I'm going to screw you and here I'm going to court. You don't have that conversation. Okay. So we, we were just talking there about the team and, and the whole bit about, uh, you know, people have to, there's rules, people have to come to the table with some, some good faith and that there's no bullying anybody around No. In, in the collaborative law process, because there are usually at least three referees. There are four, if you get a lawyer for each person, a financial person, and usually um, a social worker or somebody like that to help with the emotional stuff, right? Yeah, and in my experience, the ones I've done, they just haven't really gotten to that level. I mean, certainly emotionally, people get emotional in these cases, but especially when you have um, a social worker, a family professional that's involved that's going to deal with those dynamics, it's amazing how well these meetings go, right? I honestly think that part of the problem with the old way of doing it, and especially the court system, is the separation of the clients, right? Because then you, they don't have face-to-face -face discussions. They're behind their lawyers. Their lawyers interpret what they want. Um, and something's lost in the translation. And it's it, the good thing about collaborative is the clients are the ones that control this process, right? Instead of me having discussions with the other lawyer and just coming back to you and telling you what happened, um, you're actually in part of this, right? So, yeah, it's a different level of, of input and control for the clients in this process as opposed to the old way. You've said uh, many times in the past that often one of the big, bigger issues with getting matters resolved is separating um, partners needing and wanting to be heard. Mm -hmm. And it ties to what you just said. Um, psychologically, emotionally, that's often the, the biggest 
thing to overcome, right? When people can get to a table and they can be heard, it often leads to resolution. Absolutely. And, you know, I think in so many cases, um, when there's kids involved, both parents really do want the best thing for their kids. They may have different ideas and perspectives of how you accomplish that, but they really do want the best thing for their kids. And surprisingly, it's the same with money. Most people don't want their ex to be living in a box, right? And honest to God, most clients, when you talk to them, they say, look, I'm not here to get every cent I can get. I'm not trying to see if I can, you know, leave her out on the street. Most people really don't want that. So if you can get the conversation on point and actually discuss those issues and keep control of that emotional element, yeah, you can get these things done. Well, and and to your point, um, especially if you have children, you don't want that happening. You de- oh. you sh- your desire should not be to destroy the other party. No, and I think, um, you know, when you think about it, when emotions are running that high, the last thing you need is for a letter from a lawyer, a really aggressive letter to be coming go over to the other side, or to get into a court proceeding where you're going to file reams of material stating how horrible you think the other person is. It's just adding fuel to the fire. And normally it really doesn't going to accomplish anything for you. So, yeah, once you can get a civil conversation, and the conversations have to be civil, they have to be respectful, that's just how it goes, it's amazing what you can get done. I want to come back to what you said earlier in the podcast about uh, the special training uh, that lawyers uh, have when it comes to collaborative law. I- I've had a look at, at some um, uh, collaborative law agreements, and they're quite detailed. Um, and they're they're very well they're very detailed because um, they are very specific and so there's very little left to the imagination there's very little left to interpret interpret when it comes to getting down to this process H- how much training is involved in in uh, getting certified to be a collaborative uh, process lawyer I think the difference for lawyers at least uh, at least from my perspective was when you go go through the the training and there's days of it um, it really is a shift in what your role is because if you're in litigation your job is to quarterback the whole thing and and control the process and give people the answers and that's just your mindset that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to tell the client what they're doing Um, this is different you're really supposed to I think initially shut up and listen um, talk to the client and make sure they're heard and understand what they want not what you think they should get you're not that's a different mindset understand what they want and then you have to do for the same for the other side so it's it's a real mind shift as far as lawyers are concerned and you can't just say screw it i'll send an application and off to court we go Um, you're really almost more invested in listening to everybody around the table and then creatively saying okay now that we know what each of you want we just have to bring it to the a point where you know you can resolve it that's going to be acceptable to both of you so it really is more of a facilitator in some ways than you ever are doing it the old way. So it is, it's a difference, right? It's a different, it's a different mindset. So in terms of time saved and money saved, I mean, I'm not going to hold you to something specific, (laughs) but you've probably got a rough idea um, because you've done all of these things. You've, You've done litigation, you've done alternative dispute resolution processes. In terms of money saved and time saved compared to say going to trial, going the full route, by percentages, what are we talking about? Uh, um, the difference in time, it, it, the difference in time is big. 
Okay. Um, That's big. And time is money. For sure. And the difference, it depends what you mean by cost, too, because I think, I mean, obviously money is a cost to people, but I think a lot of times the cost of being in a process, having it over your head, not knowing when it's going to end, that's the bigger cost for people when this drags on. Mm-hmm. Um, to get it into the court process, you know, I'm telling people now, if you're in the court process, you'll be into 2023 before you get a date. Um, it's just going to be a very long, drawn-out process, and you're going to pay thousands every step of the way. I mean, trial retainers, uh, you know, that's always so difficult to say. If you want to go and have a knockdown, drag-out trial, if it's a week long, um, I just did one, and my initial retainer was, I think it was going to be 30000 um, to, to even do one that was going to be more limited in scope. Right. Oh, and, and, you know, I can, I can speak to some yeah. experience on that and, and simply say, that it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, in, in my particular case, it was a five-year lead-up to getting mm-hmm. to trial. Um, you know, did, did not, I don't think anybody wanted to have the trial, uh, but it ended up that way. And it cost, um, it cost at least a couple hundred thousand dollars, uh, at least on my end, and got to be close to that on the other end, too. So that's a lot of money, you know? Yeah, and I, I think it would be really worthwhile to do a podcast and, and to give people just kind of a, an outline of your average day in court, what your fees are going to look like, because I don't know that a lot of people really get that your fees can get that high easily, easily. Well, well, uh, so it, yeah. so if, you can, if you could settle it in a collaborative case, and even if it took a few months to get it done, because there's good reasons, right? You don't want somebody ramming a settlement through the day after they get separated, because that's just dumb. Um, you need to get some time and space from it, and you need to do the disclosure, and there's reasons you shouldn't just do it that quick. But if you can get it done within, signed, sealed, delivered within five, six months, I think you've hit a home run, right? For sure. There's no doubt, yeah. there's no doubt about it. And, and you know, I think, as, I, as I've often said on these podcasts, um, there's, you know, there's a system in place, the family law system is in place, and it's... And it's full of, of professionals that really do care, uh, from lawyers to judges to social workers to court staff. Uh, there is, they do care, but the system is that. It's a system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it doesn't move quickly uh, at, at any level. And even the judges themselves will say, you know, if you can avoid all of this, yeah. it would be the best thing to do. We'd love to not see you. If, if at well, all and when possible. you tell people initially, when you have a conversation with people and say, "Look, if you're arguing over twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars, you've got no business being in court. No, right. you're right. going to chew through that in in a heartbeat." Right? I mean, if you don't have, if it's financial, you don't have some significant numbers. My God, sit down at the table and get it finished. But uh, and there's actually some really good decisions out of Hamilton um, with Justice Pazarats talking about exactly that. And I should find that one I'm thinking of and, and put it up on the website. Yeah, that would be great. He goes through a case where people have spent, my God, the numbers were hundreds of thousands of dollars in a, in a, it was several years, the battle until they got to the end of it. But it was really interesting in terms of seeing a judge's comments on, in some ways, how devastating it is to watch that these people with kids have now spent three hundred four hundred thousand dollars all in fighting this legal war right? right and why how there just has to be a better way to do it tracy how do people get a hold of you if they'd like to make contact 
It's Miller Law and Mediation. Um, you can find me on the net or it's Tracy at Miller-Law.ca. Excellent. And uh, you can look me up too if you want some help with communication around your separation or divorce. Uh, my company is called Divorce.com and you can reach me, Jay West at Divorce.com. As always, Tracy, enjoyed the conversation. We'll be back soon with another edition. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later, Jamie. Bye-bye.